you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey everybody, Navy Federal has a mission to put members first by making their financial goals the priority. Receive a lifetime of membership benefits to help you and your family accomplish your life missions like a full suite of financial products designed to fit your needs. Visit NavyFederal.org for more info. Call 1-888-842-6328 or download the Navy Federal Credit Union app. Message and data rates may apply. The Around the NFL podcast are living their best lives. Speak for yourself. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Happy Sunday night. Happy Sunday night. Week 12. Week 12's here. Thanksgiving. You know what they say, dog? Football season does not start until after Thanksgiving. Started. Why does Wes get a pre-scripted line uh, to start every show and then the rest of us are, are left searching for something to say? <laughs> well, Wes doesn't need to do that prep because he's got the locked and loaded That's what I'm saying. Catchphrase. You guys got to come up with either A, a catchphrase, or a little bit of pre-show prep and think, what do I want to talk about right off the top, if anything? I mean, I can lose that line after like 700 episodes. I don't think anyone is asking for that. I just find the it entire to be universe would collapse intriguing. into itself if you stop saying "Hi, Diane." I think you did a nice job setting Thank yourself you. up. You're, I think it's this part of the accent. It's the whole thing. It's the Tybee Island accent. We get it. So, Greg, if, yeah, that's <laughs> one of those. It's like one of the two. Uh, come up with a catchphrase, or just you know, before the show, think. What can I do? What can I add? To I like trying to, to you try to, I think this podcast that is at its best when you live in the moment. You just see where it takes you. You never even know. It's always just a nice blank slate right there. All right. Good. Happy La Rosa. Uh, a lot of games to get to. Uh, this will be a jam-packed episode of the Around the NFL podcast because we will hit the Thanksgiving shows near the bottom of the episode. So stay tuned for that. Uh, and we will dig into all the uh, Sunday action, including Sunday night football with the Packers and the Vikings. A lot at stake there, obviously. But let's start with the games that were played earlier today. Oh, and a humdinger in Charlotte. From 30 yards out, 
for the win. The snap, the boot, the kick is up. The kick is through. The Seahawks win in Carolina. Sebastian Janikowski from 30 yards out on the last play of the game. And the Seahawks have done what they need to do. Yes, they did. Steve Reibel, K-I-R-O, with the call. Russell Wilson threw for 339 yards, two scores, and Seabass, still around after all these years, kicked that 31-yarder as time expired uh, to lift Seattle to a 30-27 win over the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Like I said, in Charlotte, a come-from-behind win for the Seahawks. Three straight losses for Carolina, and Seattle uh, is alive and well in the NFC playoff picture. Wes, another gutsy win for a Seahawks team with serious mojo. Some of this is randomness, but credit them for making plays in the red zone. The Panthers should have been ahead by double digits in the fourth quarter. They were not because the Seahawks stopped them in the red zone, particularly in short yardage plays. Bradley McDougal had a great interception in the end zone. Um, But if Graham Gano doesn't miss a 52-yarder, who knows how this game ends. The Panthers have 478 yards of offense, which was most Seahawks gave up all year long. And for the second straight week, Seahawks win a game in which the other team just failed to capitalize. Mm. I could not agree more with you, Wes, about how the beginning of this game went. Uh, The Panthers marching up and down the field. Really, for most of this game against Seattle, they get stuffed on uh, near the goal line on a fourth and three carry from Newton. I thought he got the first down, Wes. They, I did too. They did not give him the, the call and uh, upon challenge. That did not go the Panthers' way either. Uh, they went down the field again and got stuffed on a, a, a McCaffrey run. McCaffrey. We'll get to McCaffrey in a second. Uh, so when instead of being up 14-6 or having a two-score lead, they never were able to get any distance. Well, and it the Seahawks defense did not play particularly well, but the offense made the big plays. Uh, Russell Wilson, fourth and three to David Moore, who made a one-handed catch in the end zone. Corn uh, Elder was the cornerback on the play who never even looked a, looked back on the play. Turn around. Not a real Sounds song. like an ancient farmer. Yeah, not a real person. Or a monk. <laughs> or a pavement song. He's a 3,000-year-old farmer who was also the bass player in pavement. So and then Wilson – Climbed the pocket uh, on that last drive to hit Tyler Lockett wide open on a coverage bust in the red zone and set up the game winner. But um, the Seahawks made the plays with the game on the line. Give them credit. Well, that was Lockett and really freestyling, seeing something when the play breaks down and Russell Wilson gave Lockett credit. And they're, they're among the best in the league right now at doing that. Russell Wilson is certainly at quarterback. And this is the second straight week where you start out run, run, and Chris Carson, their running back, said after the game, like they were calling out some of our plays in the first half thinking they were a little too predictable. And then you're counting on your quarterback to kind of save you and make plays on his own. But they have one of the only guys who can actually make that game plan work. Beyond today's game. Ouch. Well, that's beyond today's game. That's a tough That's a tough loss for the old Zeuser in the old uh, lockup challenge. I thought they were going to come through on this. Go ahead, Mark. Well, no, but I think you believed in the Panthers. And, and you know what's weird? And I now it's sounding like a broken record. I still do. I think they win this game 8, eight out of 10, and I think they've hit a really a lull in their season. And once you get to three games, you start to mess with screwing up your whole season. Uh, but, yeah, I, I still think this is a team that could be around and make noise in January. But this is this is an ugly loss. In the last three weeks have been pretty ugly. They can be around because they allow enough teams into the playoffs to, you know, some of them are not the equal of others. But I, if you want to believe in, the, I don't mean in that. Seattle. I don't mean backing in the playoffs. I mean, Well, they, they are backing in one. right now. No, I'm saying right now they're I backing they in. Can get out of this 
slump they're in. To me, they're the yeah. opposite of Seattle. You you get you respond to getting nipped by the Rams by five points by beating the Packers, the much ballyhooed Packers, <laughs> knocking off the much ballyhooed Panthers, and now you have four home games and you're remaining five. You play the Niners twice. You play the Cardinals to close the season, and you've got a tough one against the Chiefs, but they can play the Vikings too, a team they can beat. Compare that to the Panthers who finish with two out of three against the powerhouse Saints. And they, they've just, they have some mojo, whether that, that can be quantified or not. They've, they've become that team that you can't figure out how they won the game at the end of the, at the end of the game. It's like, how did we lose that game to Seattle? But after a while, that's almost becoming a, a repeatable skill for them. And it's strange that they're... I don't think that's repeatable. I think it's completely random. I think it's random, but I think... Graham oh, Gano missed a kick. If, if in that's, what, that's what happened. Sure, but they then they went and took advantage of it. They also had that touchdown from David Moore, who's like, like when they fell down in this game, they came back. They've, they've found a way to stick in games that they really had no business winning. Uh, two more Panthers points to the... Graham Gano, who's been a really great kicker, uh, that was a 52-yarder. So I, it's not like he shanked like a 36-yarder. It was a long kick, but that's a guy that you you come to depend on, and you knew they were in deep trouble as soon as he missed it, and they were. And we cannot forget Christian McCaffrey in this game. It's getting lost, obviously, because uh, Seattle pulled it out. But franchise record, 239 yards from scrimmage. He went for 125 and a touchdown on the ground and 11 mm. catches for 114 in the air with another touchdown. Uh, that You won't get much more productive days in the league than that. One thing about Fumble Carolina's times, defense, yeah. Carolina's yeah, defense needs to operate more soundly if they want any chance of doing anything. Seattle scores on its final five drives with no drive less than seven plays, one of them 14. I mean, that's... That's not by chance. That's not just magic happening. We've cited their front seven getting older, but it's also Eric Washington in his first year as defensive coordinator. This is not a good first year for him. It's it, not a good debut. They really regressed on defense. Am I looking at this right there? Is there six fumbles in this game and the Panthers picked up all six? I mean, so there, there was a lot <laughs> going on. Wow. Uh, and one one more note. I Driving into work uh, right as games were kicking off, I've caught this a couple times now. Uh, the Panthers radio network, Mick Mixon, uh, on the call. I, he does a, a bit of a, a brief monologue before immediately before mm. kickoff, and it's clear Mick puts, puts a lot of work into him. I heard one involving the Giants game. That was pretty wild. Here's the one that, that started today's game, just to give you a little flavor of the, the Mixon uh, effect. <laughs> After the win over Tampa Bay on November the 4th, the 6-2 Carolina Panthers went viral. Dripping with drip, the thumbs-up emojis poured in. But then, like a millennial brain addicted to Facebook, we got a little distracted. Trolled by the Steelers and then catfished by the Lions, the Panthers are now not accepting any more friend requests. Instead, Carolina is cutting the cord, unplugging, and focusing on the fundamentals. The semester is flying by, and if the Panthers don't get serious wow. and buckle down, our devices will be taken away. Get rid of all social media. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then they kick off. That's it. He started all monologue. It, I, I'm all in. Hey, old uncle at the <laughs> at the Thanksgiving table. He said dripping. <laughs> when did millennials drop the middle? Facebook? Intercepted in the end zone. Intercepted by Shelby Harris, the defensive lineman with the play of the game. Yeah, it was Dave Logan. KOA with the call. Nose tackle. Shelby Harris picked off Big Ben's two-yard attempt. Uh, he was targeting Antonio Brown, but uh, who knows what was going on uh, with Roethlisberger on that throw. 
uh, in the end zone, 103 to play. Uh, it effectively ended the game. Locked up a 24-17 win for the Broncos over the Steelers in Mile High. It's a big loss for the Steelers, who lost ground in the race for a bye in the AFC. And a huge win for the Broncos, who got their play of the year, Greg, from an unlikely source. This game had everything. You're mentioning the, the game-winning interception by a nose tackle. That's got to be the first time that's ever happened. Never happened before. In NFL history. But before that, we had... Uh, a field goal blocked by Justin Simmons, which he has a habit of doing, so I guess that's not that weird. A gay, uh, half-ending fake field goal touchdown attempt that went to Alejandro Villanueva. Give him another uh, Ali, Ali, Navy Ali. Federal Credit Union commercial <laughs> after that touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen that. You had a 97-yard touchdown throw to Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, a beautiful play by Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, everything was going on in this game. You had a fake, a fumble at the half-yard line that went out the end zone, the worst rule in football that favored the Broncos in that situation because Xavier Grimble couldn't score. I mean, this is what happens when the Steelers turn the ball over four times and the Broncos don't at all. The the team that's getting pushed around a little bit in the game found a way to win. I mean, what do you make of a game like that? I don't know. It's, well, a, it's another example of Pittsburgh. You know, we, Dan and I did a Sky segment today asking which team we trust more, the Chargers or Steelers, and I confidently said that I'm starting to trust the Steelers because of what they pulled off last week when they should have lost to Jacksonville and turned it around. And then 20 minutes later, you get this delivered on a platter. <laughs> he, I, don't think thing, this, though, I don't think this was a disgraceful loss by any stretch. It, it, Broncos, it isn't, except you've given up the a way chance. It happened. Now you've thrust yeah. the Patriots back into the bye scenario. <laughs> that is disgraceful. Trust me, that's on my radar, too, and uh, this is almost it's, too but it's obvious. It's so that predictable for Pittsburgh. Okay. And now they get the Every Chargers year. next week. Well, the, the Steelers still have the Patriots, the Chargers, and the Saints left on the schedule. Yikes. But they, they had won six straight games. This is not an easy place to no, play. You know it was why just this sort of the way Greg? that they lost it. Uh, uh, me and millions of others that don't want to see the Patriots get an, a, a bye for a ninth straight year, the idea of the Chargers now will go into Pittsburgh and lose next week. So they'll essentially cancel each other out, and New England will take care of their business, which is, you know, all respect Chargers to Chargers don't have much to do. And then that's yeah. it. That's it. They'll, they'll just, well, they'll the Steelers and Patriots play each other. So the Steelers, yeah, the Steelers, all you got to do is win at home and you can you can control See, that, right. that situation. The Patriots have some tough games left too. But for the Broncos to win this game, to end a six-game winning streak a week after you ended another six-game winning streak by the Chargers, which came Giant a, Slayers. a game after <laughs> you were a field goal miss away from beating the Texans who were on a five-game winning streak. This team... Even though they've been outplayed the last two weeks, I think they've been better than their record has shown for much of the season. They also had two games against the Chiefs and one against the Rams. They're 5-6. and six. They're only one game out of the wild card. They only play one team with a winning record the rest of the way. And, and you can absolutely see a road to them having a relevant Week 17 possibility to get into the play. Against the Chargers. And they, they, uh, they are your classic berserker team where suddenly you don't want to deal with Denver and you definitely don't want to deal with them on the road because they, what they've done the last two weeks, the only scary situation for Broncos fans is you get a little frisky, you go 8-8, eight and eight, maybe you even do something a little more than that, and you convince yourselves to keep Vance Joseph around for another year, where I feel like Vance Joseph coaching decisions have cost this team at least two games this year, if not more. That's that's fair, but at least at least it's, if you're a Broncos fan, you you got this rookie class, which is just awesome. Philip Lindsay, they're 14, great. Fourteen carries, 110 yards. He's so fun to watch. He he was such a key in this game. And James Conner barely got the ball. Thirteen carries to only to 56 
throws for Ben Roethlisberger, and Connor had a killer fumble, one of many killer mistakes in this game by the Steelers. But you had to – I still kind of like Philip Lindsay maybe as Offensive Rookie of the Year. I have not given that award to Saquon Barkley. I don't care what the numbers are. When you watch him, he's just such an impactful player. Ben Roethlisberger only threw one touchdown pass uh, in this game. One of the steel- – did you mention the fake field goal? At, at I did, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, just a wild game. But he went 41 of 56 for 462 He made yards. a lot of really good plays in this game. I feel too. like and, – and like you said, the 97-yard touchdown was a, a throw out of the back of the end zone with a hand in his face and the defensive line coming down on him. Uh, I don't know. I'm not tracking this too closely, but I feel like he's on pace to throw it for about 74,000 yards this year. <laughs> I feel like he throws for 462 yards every other like week. It feels like it. <laughs> it's crazy. All right, let's move on. From 32 yards away, snap, ball down, kick is up. It's got the distance. It's good! It's good! The Colts have won it! The Colts have won it! Matt Taylor, WFNI, with the call. Andrew Luck threw three touchdown passes. Adam Vinatieri knocked through that 32-yarder as clock ran out, and the Colts beat the Dolphins 27-24. It is five straight wins. For the team of Wes TL, uh, speaking of Wes, hey Wes, uh, Andrew Luck faced a 10-point fourth quarter deficit in this one. He don't care. This was one of those games where playoff teams and the Colts hope to be one have to find a way to win when the breaks don't go their way and they've gotten outplayed. And the Dolphins made more big plays in the game. The Colts made more mistakes. And then at the end of the game, you saw uh, Adam Gase elect to run the ball on third and 10 with about oh, that two minutes crazy. left. Punt the ball back to Andrew Luck in a tie game. And Luck, who we used to say when he was early in his career, his pocket movement is the eighth wonder of the world. And we saw that mm. on a miraculous play where he's, he ducked under a sack and hit Chester Rogers, who after the game, Frank Reich says, wasn't even in the progressions at all. It was just all Andrew Luck finding him. And that set up the game winner um, on a day where the Dolphins really played their hearts out. They really did. And Miami, we said downstairs that the Colts are doing God's work because unless you're a Dolphins fan, this Miami team is not necessarily a team you want hanging around and playing a January playoff game because there's not a lot of juice around the Dolphins. But you have to give them credit. They really did find a way to hang around in this game, uh, take control of the game, but they couldn't close it. And that, Greg, I think you kind of have a different take on this. What? Uh, but the Adam Gase decision, third and ten, deep in his own end, I get that. But when you run the ball, you want to give up play when you're five and five and you're fighting for a playoff spot and you know damn well on the road kicking it back to Andrew Luck who's going to get it around midfield that you're probably dead. What is that? What message does that send oh, to I totally your agree with team, you. your, the front office, to the fans? That would drive me crazy, and I don't think it helps Adam Gase come uh, Black Monday. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, that play said so much to me about what they think of their passing game in Ryan Tannehill. I mean, I know he isn't Tom Brady, but he's 17 for 25, 200 yards in this game. It's not like he was bad in this game, right, Wes? And and it's just it's just sending a message. You don't you would you don't trust your quarterback at all. And it's not feeling the game because at that point in the game, the Dolphins defense was not getting stops. They had just given up two scoring drives and the Colts did it by running too, which is so different than old Colts teams that that the Colts came back in this game in the fourth quarter on one of those drives, basically by running the whole time, which which is pretty amazing. They don't have a passing game. Who? The Dolphins. His numbers weren't that bad, but 75 yards of that came on a fluke play to Laurent Carew where he won a jump ball 
and then just ran to the end zone after mm. that. And, and that's what the Dolphins' offense has been all year. These fluke big plays and credit them for for actually going through with them and making them, but they're not – you can't rely on them from week to week. I mean, they were banged up at wide receiver today to start Absolutely, with. Absolutely, yes. They're very, ba- they're very banged up. They talked about Tannehill – Throwing with significant pain. And really? He's, and he's Today. better. Than, he's certainly better than Osweiler. But this is, they're not running a full offense with banged up receivers and Tannehill playing in pain. But that said, though, you, you, have, you have to feel like you're playing with house money when you've got two Andrew Luck picks by mm. Xavier Howard. Great play. So to your point, to punt the ball, you're, we're in a league now. Where you where already gave up the 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. Right. We're in a league where you, you go for it. You take chances. You, you, you risk everything. You don't give the ball back to Andrew Luck with three-plus minutes when they've scored on their previous two marches. I, the, to me, it just we were all sitting there watching it, and it's like, goodbye, Dolphins, because you don't deserve to be in this derby if you cannot make the decisions that winning teams, Super Bowl-type teams make. Especially at – go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's got to hurt, and I don't have a lot of sympathy for Dolphins fans as a Jets fan, but if you in a near-must-win game, you pick luck off twice on two straight plays, you recover a fumble, you partially block a punt, and you have a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, it, to not be able to close that game mm-hmm. out – uh, that is a, this, these are the type of losses that stick to your ribs and it makes you not want to be a football fan. Quick question. Had they won this, would we be giving them any credit as a, as a team that we can trust any more than trust. losing it? I would have given them a lot of credit because they played their ass. They fought their ass off for three and a half quarters. They've had a few games like that. I, I still, I, they, to me, they were a team that I kind of expected to just finish eight and eight. I'm not sure how it's going to happen, but I just. Well, we're like seeing it. They were <laughs> on, on that road. I do appreciate, though. Um, that despite the dome being closed today, they did make it rain there in Indianapolis. We thought this game was going to be close, <laughs> and they got it done for me. So that's why Gase should have been are thrown you, at the are end. Are we tracking all of your rainmakers? We're, we're tracking. No, I think let's just. Oh, do oh one. okay. We went two and we went two and one this week. It, it rained uh, heavily uh, in Philadelphia. <laughs> Lost by an extra point in Washington. So two and one. That's a great rate of return right there. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Whew. He's got the snap. Looks left. Can't Comes lose. Back, every throws, week. Tight end screen. And Joku. Well, you go two and one. And they push you, him and push him What guy into bets the on one game only? Touchdown! Don't talk over the brown highlight. From his friends. <laughs> Give me a break, Greg. <laughs> Jim Donovan with the call. WCKY. Hugh Jackson had a front row seat for Baker Mayfield and each of his career high four touchdown passes. Including that fine effort by tight end David Njuko. Njuko? Njuko. Njoku. Njoku. <laughs> as the Browns roll over the Bengals 35 20. This was a game that's 28 0 uh, before the Bengals even scored a point. Anyway, it's another slump buster for the Browns who snap a 25 game road losing streak. Mark, the Browns, like their rookie passer, feel dangerous. I couldn't help because they kept obviously flashing to Hugh Jackson on the sideline. What could be going through this man's mind? Because love him or hate him, it's been you, you get fired. Oh my god! 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 Fart, well, fart. he's watching the players that he failed to maximize, devastating the defense that he was brought in to save in Cincinnati. He's got the magic touch. There's no doubt about it. It's I. I honestly felt for him a little bit because it was such a perfect storm of him looking like the utter fool to the point at the end of the game, Baker Mayfield, who was a rookie, essentially refused to really. Gave him a hug, gave him sort of a distant, awkward shake as they were parting ways. Uh, you had Demarius Randall. Well, let's, hear, let's hear what uh, Baker Mayfield had sure. to say about that. Didn't feel like talking. You or him? 
Me. Why not? I don't know. Left Cleveland, goes down to Cincinnati. I don't know. It's just somebody that was in our locker room asking for us to play for him and then goes to a different team. We play twice a year. Everybody can have their spin on it, but that's how I feel. I mean, I tweeted out that that comment from Baker Mayfield, and it starts this insane I, – I just clicked off Twitter because it's all these people going back and forth. Well, you know, it's not fair to critique Hugh Jackson. He's just looking for another opportunity. Fair. Well, I agree with you, and I think that Baker Mayfield's more sane. You went there of all places, and it's probably more of a league thing that feels like a conflict of interest to allow someone to do that. But he also said, Baker Mayfield, we have people we believe in calling plays now. And, and that's not fiction either because whether it's Freddie Kitchens or whoever it is. Kitchens open. It is. They completely changed the game plan from last week or, or two weeks ago against the Falcons when it was all wishbone run-oriented. You think you can run against the Bengals. They come out today with empty sets and fillet Cincinnati, and they took their foot off the gas in the second half. Hmm. And, and we should mention that Andy Dalton left the game with a, th- with a thumb injury on his throwing hand and did not return. Jeff Driscoll played, and I don't know what will happen with Dalton. They, they, there's no concluding evidence at the moment. Said it wasn't. Marvin Lewis broke. said it wasn't serious, but they're not sure what that means. Mark, that's three great uh, Baker Mayfield performances in a row. Soup's pretty hot in that kitchen right now, right? Oh, yeah. I still find this to be a completely humor-free bit by you, but continue to cook <laughs> it up nonstop. <laughs> Don't you understand that's what makes it funny? He looked sensational. I don't know what's going on in the last couple of weeks with him because he's grown leaps and bounds from some of his earlier performances. That's what's going on. I think I think it's so exciting to watch Mayfield and Chubb and, and Joku. Like I know they're four, six and one. They're they're really not totally out of the wild card race, but even even if that isn't part of the factor, just to watch these young guys play like this is has to be exciting. I mean, I I can't think of a, a better Browns moment than like today in the, this decade. I know they were, I know they had a winning record with Brian Hoyer and stuff, but to rub it in in Hughes' face while you now feel like you have a future quarterback, and I know he's done it over the last few weeks against some of the worst defenses in the NFL, and that's going to change over the next few weeks. So we'll, he'll be tested, but I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Your biggest road halftime lead since 1991. That's getting it done. Hmm. Agreed. Hot the Bengals just reeling. I mean, we've seen they have, this before. They're broken. We they're saw it totally last broken. year. They went through a November swoon last year, and then Marvin saved his job with back-to-back wins at the end of the season. But we, their defense looked like this in November of last year. Yes, and, and I don't they're, see it getting. They're not much the better. same. T- they, they. I will say this. Unlike, not unlike maybe the Dolphins to some degree. AJ Green was out. Cordy Glenn was not in there. That did have an impact on this game. Drake they're missing Packard, people left and Nick right. Vigil. But yeah. they also just look like a. You come out of that Saints disaster, and this is what you do? They're someone that they're 5-6, and six, and technically they're only one game out, but they really do they do feel like a dead team walking, and they have for a while. And spare me the pregame uh, insider reports that, like, whispers are, you know, increasing that, that Marvin's just going to hand it off to Hugh at the end of the season. Like, that's going to depend on if, – if there is any thought that that could happen, that has to depend on how the season ends. And if it ends – in any way that it's been going the last month, there's no way Mike Brown could do well, it. Even Mike I mean, Brown. Don't act like you can predict what Mike go. Brown's going to do. If there's, it doesn't mean if anything. If there's even a sand grain of self-scouting, you don't hire Hugh Jackson as your as your head coach. That would rank probably 37th on the list of bizarre things Mike Brown has done. <laughs> uh, let's move on. 43-yard attempt by Jake Elliott. The kick is away, and the kick is... Go! 
That's well done. Ooh, it's been a while since we heard Merrill Reese of WIP. Get that excited. Jake Elliott booted a 43-yard field goal through the uprights with just 22 seconds to play. It was the deciding points in a 25-22 win for the Eagles over the G-Men, who uh, had a 12-0 lead in this game. They were up 19-3 at one point in the second quarter. They had a 19-14 lead in the fourth quarter, but the Eagles kept on coming, and they overtook their rival. Wes, uh, you got your lock. You got your wish of a quiet December in Gotham, and the Eagles keep themselves alive in the NFC East. I don't know what happened in this game. The Giants came out, and here's another 1991 stat. They had their most first-half yardage since 1991 against an Eagles defense that was without six of the 11 starters they had in their earlier matchup with the Giants. Wow. They were moving the ball at will. The the Eagles had given up like 900 yards over their previous six quarters entering halftime, and then the Giants had negative yards in the third quarter, completely went away from Saquon Barkley. After the game, Pat Shermer said we needed to give him a spell, rest for a spell. They went away from him, and he was their offense. Hmm. The Eagles could not stop Saquon Barkley in the first half, and then – I have to go back and watch this because I honestly have no idea how the Giants blew it. I think Pat Shermer went in the tank on his play calling and Eli couldn't make plays in the second half. Well, Odell Beckham uh, had pointed remarks uh, because, as we know, the Philly secondary is way banged up and there was not a lot of challenging of that secondary in the second half. Uh, And maybe we'll learn that Saquon Barkley had an injury he was dealing with because you're right, he was unstoppable in that game What what before they went away from him. And I think the turning point... Uh, in the game, and Eli had a nice first half, and they were piling up the yardage, but he forced that throw into coverage over the middle uh, in the final seconds when he could have settled for a a field goal, got it back to a two-score game. uh, Instead, it was intercepted easily, and that kind of, from that point on, it was a totally different game. I mean, here here are some of the, first of all, you had Craven LeBlanc covering Odell Beckham in the second half of this game. Here are some other people in the uh, Eagles secondary, or their defense in general. You had Chandon Sullivan and Craven LeBlanc getting the most the most snaps. You got Trey Sullivan and uh, DeAndre Hall even in the in the mix there at safety. You had Devontae Busby at cornerback. I mean, this is – I mean, their entire secondary are, are guys that basically couldn't make the team back in September. You also have, like, you know, Kamu uh, – I don't even know how to say it. Rougier Hill? Rougier Hill at linebacker. It's like, this is a mass unit. Michael Bennett went down in this game. They had some other injuries. And for the Giants not to put any points on the board in the second half is wild. Don't let their defense off the hook. You know, I, I said that Thursday. I'm not sure their defense is any better than their offense. I think their defense is worse than their offense. Mm. And the Eagles just went through them in the second half. Zach Ertz had a big game. But that's kind of like Carson Wentz's season. The only thing predictable or reliable about this offense is Zach Ertz. I do like Josh Adams. I do think that he gives them something to cling to down the stretch. Absolutely. He was impressive, and he had a 57-yard touchdown called back on a holding penalty on the opening drive. That was a big call in the game. Um, he looks good. I think he's going to keep that. He's, he's already taken over as their leading rusher mm. for the season with about 300 yards. And I think he's going to keep that job the rest of the year. Uh, the Eagles are 5-6. and six. Uh, The Redskins and Cowboys, of course, tied atop the NFC East at 6-5. and five. Let's move on. Donnie Townsend's punt will be fielded by Cyrus Jones of the Ravens 30. Brings it along the numbers to the 40. He's got a blocker. He's at midfield down the near sideline. 40. Oakland 30. Leg race 20. 10. 5. Touchdown Ravens. 70-yard punt return for Cyrus Jones. Jerry Sandusky. 
WBL with the call. Cyrus Jones' big return put the Ravens ahead for good. Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson combined for 189 rushing yards as the Ravens took care of the Oakland Raiders 34-17 in Balmar. Greg, you were bubbly all day watching L. Jackson, hearing little sounds from you from your cubicle area. Why? Because he's a fun player to watch. You know, the, they came out in the first half almost trying to prove a point that, hey, Lamar Jackson can be a drop-back passer. We can run a very conventional os- offense. There wasn't really even any threat of Jackson running any fakes, anything like that. And he made some throws. He also had two interceptions, both of which were tipped but were not uh, great throws. And then the second half, you come out, and it was like, all right, enough of trying to prove a point. Let's try to win the game. And they basically ran the type of offense that they did a week ago. 13-play drive, touchdown. Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson get it going on the ground, and Jackson makes some night throws. 17-play drive, touchdown. And those took up so much time that it was essentially over after that. And I found it very telling after the game that they asked John Harbaugh, you know, if Joe Flacco gets his job back, if he's healthy, and John Harbaugh went out of his way not to answer it. And I think this is Lamar Jackson's team. It wasn't perfect, but I think they want to ride this out and, and see what happens. I mean, and John Harbaugh's name is being whispered about for the USC job this morning, hours before hmm. they kicked off. My one question with the Ravens, because no doubt Lamar Jackson is arguably the most electric player in the league outside of Saquon Barkley. And last week, they run for 267 yards. This week, it's, what, 242. We're in a league where all we're talking about is forget the running back for the most part outside of four or five of them and throw the ball left and right, and defenses don't matter, and the Ravens are coming at this in a completely different way. Is that something that the next Ravens coach or even Harbaugh is going to try to sustain long-term? Is this how you play offense with your quarterback rushing the ball 20-something times over time? It's got to be, right? Well, and... I'd be concerned if Well, I he only were... rushed it once in the first half, and he ended up with 11 overall and ran it well in, in the second half. You, you, you need to have a better defense than the one that they've shown lately for this to work. They're not really playing game-changing defense. Well, they, they have to do the Panthers formula, where you need the quarterback to move the sticks on third downs especially. But it looks like Ozzie Newsom's rookie class is saving John Harbaugh's job. You've mm. got... Lamar Jackson, Gus the Bus, Orlando Brown's taking over at right tackle. You're starting to see Hayden Hurst at tight end now. This is a completely different offense, and I think you don't mess with a winning streak. You you have to keep playing. Also, Lamar is it the, is it the worst thing in the world? And I know the the and we just came off the week where everyone was saying football's different now, football's changed. But the idea of those two run heavy drives you you uh, mentioned, Greg, in the second half covered almost 16 minutes of clock time. When defenses can't stop offenses anymore, it's not a bad thing to have a, a a team that tries to control the clock and keep these offenses off the field. Maybe that's the Ravens' way to win. Maybe it's their only way to win. And it's just so hard. Right now, at least, it's so hard. to. They've turned third and five to a running down. It's so hard to stop the mesh play with Gus Edwards, who had 118 yards. In the first half, they weren't even trying that on third and long or third and five. In the second half, it was just easy for them. It was either Edwards or Jackson running to the edge moving the ball and and Jackson's passing numbers don't look great but he had some nice throws he also had a a 50-yard dime to John Brown that was called back by a holding penalty so he he as anyone who watched him in college knows he can throw some pretty passes they just got to kind of figure it out they've had some nice easy matchups to start out well he also turns the ball over 
Uh, my one thing is I can remember other quarterbacks where we were all fawning over mesh points and players running for 80 yards from, from yep. under center. And it's like you're, they have two weeks of tape on Lamar Jackson and a bunch of you know scattered plays here and there. And I'm not bemoaning it. If it works, to Dan's point, it's fine to be a different type of offense. But I, I, I wouldn't be concerned about any attack where your quarterback is being put out there 10 times a game for uh, as a runner. I just don't I don't love that. One one thing he, he was good at today was pretty much avoided almost any hits. There was maybe one play, but it was basically a lot of running out of bounds on six-yard six yard gains. Shout out to uh, Matt Juden, by the way, who had a forced fumble that turned into a touchdown for Terrell Suggs and wound your up— Your boy, Terrell Suggs. I mean, not my boy. Well, it's from, it sounded like a downstairs. <laughs> it was a great play, but— I Mike has a Terrell Suggs poster That's in his not bedroom. true at all. <laughs> I was saying he was not a Hall of Fame player. Pe- people got to calm down with the future Hall of Fame. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. League. Maybe. They'll read up on Terrell Suggs. He's yeah, lucky thank he's you. That would football. be my point. So ne- next drive, Judon gets sacks on the first next two plays. So three sacks in three plays, which you almost never see. And he celebrated by running into into the tunnel, thinking it was fourth down. Oof. He pulled it, it perfect. Was, it was only third down. Though. A timeout wound up. Like he came back, and you could see him mouthing, "Oh, I thought it was fourth down." The game was no longer in doubt, though. At that no, it was thirty-four okay. so seventeen. But still, so you also shout out to you had a nice. Uh, uh, you like the call on the CBS telecast, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, when you can find wordplay like this, you got to let Tim Posey cut it up and play it. They love crabs here in Baltimore. Crabtree, <laughs> the touchdown. I mean, you got <laughs> I mean, to know that you were taken a different yeah, way. He was workshopping that for a while. <laughs> you got to know that. There are multiple meanings attached to that, potentially. Yeah, got to be careful. Let's, let's isolate that for future Ravens use, by the way. Let's go, Ricky. <laughs> Brady takes the snap, late pressure, a throw down the middle for Grock, open, lunges, makes the catch, absorbs the contact, and falls in the end zone for a touchdown, Patriots! It's the way you get the big boy back! Oh, God. (laughs) You know what? That was Bob Sochi in Human Gatorade Bottle. Scott Zolak with the call. Uh, WBZ. Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, they do something that they hadn't done since week one, which is hook up on a touchdown. It opened the scoring for the Patriots. In the end, they pushed past the Jets 27-13 at the Meadowlands. Uh, if this is your thing, some people it's their thing, some people it's their not. It's not. Brady is now the NFL's all-time passing yardage leader, so congrats on that, TB12. Including playoffs, which to me is how stats should be. I agree with added. you on that. <laughs> uh, this one uh, followed a very similar script when these teams play in Jersey, especially uh, in the Todd Bowles era, which could not end soon enough, by the way. The Jets hang around for two or three quarters before the Pats pull away. Uh, same deal here. And, um, yeah, I, I was I came out of this game really, if you're a Patriots fan, you're, you're okay. okay. Brady, he had a cut on his thumb that I think affected his accuracy, so maybe he wasn't as sharp. Or maybe that also goes back to hashtag gradual decline. Maybe that's a thing. But today was a good day because Sony Michelle – uh, was running through massive holes in the Jets' defensive line. And, and the and in general, the Pats had no problem uh, carving up the Jets, who, by the way, hired a defensive head coach. And this is what they get, about mm-hmm. 500 yards of total offense for the Pats. So the Patriots are 8-3. and three, And like we said, with that Steelers loss, Greg, they, they are now uh, in position for that second bye. And uh, they, this is what they got to do. They just and this is what they're so good at, Greg. In November and December, they just pile up wins while other teams go through highs and lows. And they, 
if you're a Patriots fan like me, you're looking for, okay, what can they be building off of? They essentially had nine offensive drives in this game, and they got 500 yards. So it was a really good offensive game, even if if they struggled a bit in the red zone. They, they moved the ball. You get Sony Michelle back healthy. It looked like he was banged up. But to me, he makes such a difference in their offense. They just really need him, and I think he plays to the strengths of that offensive line. And Gronk is back healthy, makes one big play, not an efficient thing. He looks okay. He still doesn't yeah. look like the close. Somebody tried to get but, me to eat crow for a tweet I had uh, last week uh, that we're in the post-Gronk era. We are in the post-Gronk era, but he's still capable of making plays, and he did here with He's still very valuable, 56. though, right? Sure. I mean, yeah. and so if you have him – and, and Gordon cut all five of his targets for 70 yards. That's a game to build off. It's nothing crazy, but this is what the Patriots should do to the Jets. Is Jamal Adams the only reason to watch Jets games the rest of the season? And isn't that sad? Because I mean, is a safety a reason to watch a exactly. football game it's a alone? Fair point. As, as much as I love uh, Jamal Adams, and he really is a player and maybe even an all-pro, um, uh, he is... There's there's no playmakers on the Jets defense. Well, you're Todd Bowles. You've had a thousand days to fix what the previous coaching staff struggled with is you can't rush the passer. And they still have no one to do it. And you're getting gashed on the ground. And to your point, Dan, I mean, everything that Todd Bowles would try to sell an ownership group on what he adds, he no longer adds. So the season cannot end quick enough for the Jets who need a coach to come in and enough with this nonsense where you do not develop offense. Like, it's been so long in New York. But Come it, on. Who, who else can't get out of New York fast enough is uh, the offense coordinator, um, who I'm so disgusted with. I've cast his Jeremy ma- Bates. Out of my, uh, name out of my mind. <laughs> Jeremy Bates, who called, like, uh, 55, like, passing attempts uh, or something absurd of that in that nature for uh, 45 passing attempts for Josh McCown in this game against the Patriots' run defense that you could have mo- you could have moved the ball on. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, Bowles is completely lost. And worse than, worse, than, worse than all, it's like this was a game I had circled on the calendar. These were the fun games when, you're, oh, now I got Sam Darnold and we get to see him go against Brady. But here we are. The Jets are boring. They're irrelevant. And there's nothing to be learned or gleaned from the rest of the season. Uh, and I'm just waiting for the season to end. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of waiting till January 1st and then hoping for a brighter it's a, tomorrow. It's a terrible it reality old. as a fan. And, like, I'm very happy for you, Mark. But, it, like, it doesn't make it any better that I see other teams <laughs> I know it's not, finding progress. I know it's not pleasurable. To right. Like, I know. starting I know. to see progress. And I'm really happy because I was sick of the Browns being bad, too. But, like, the, the Jets is just another wasted season. And this game, I get, I derive no pleasure from watching the Jets at least, right At least, though, the one ray of hope is that you didn't draft Ryan Leaf. The quarterback isn't the reason that, that they're crumbling. We'll see. It'd be nice well, to see him back on the field, but you're right. And you would love to see him do some positive things, Sam Darnold, that is, down the stretch. But it's going to ultimately be for a staff that he's not working for next year anyway. That's so just I, a mess. I get it. it. And I don't need to see Josh McCown anymore. I love the right. guy. I hope he ends up in a booth or on a coaching staff. I just don't I don't care to watch him play for three hours on a Sunday. The Patriots gone down on his career. Patriots spend a lot of their season trying to figure out what their guy, who their guys are, and they do feel like they have sort of a pecking order here on offense with Edelman now looking a little more like himself with Hogan, making a couple plays as a fourth receiver. They're healthier than they have been on defense. If you're a Patriots hater, they, like it doesn't surprise me they came out of the bye and beat the Jets here, but I, I think there's legitimate reasons to think that they can play better down the stretch. They're healthy. Hey, Erica, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Second of all, um, 18 straight seasons with a 500 record or better for the Patriots. So that would mean you were probably like five or something? Uh, 2000. 
Seven. How old were you? 2000. I was in second grade. Tough year. So about the seven. Yeah. The second grade must have been tough. You were mm. born when Mark and I were starting college. <laughs> Do you remember all that? You know, like a lot of people just wondering whether Bledsoe really mixed with Belichick or yeah. what. Yeah. Mm. Tough this is like Greg trying to cook up his early 1990s memories that he actually does not possess of the <laughs> Patriots not being good. What does that mean? What It means exactly what I just you're said. You're saying the Patriots were good in, in the 1990s or the 1980s? Rod Rust and Dick McPherson? Please. I mean, yeah, I can look up their coaches' names too on Pro Football Reference if I want to. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Um, that one cut deep. Um, <laughs> one last note before we move on. Uh, Cordero Patterson. Um, decided to grab my boy Henry Anderson's balls. Uh, <laughs> I, I love Henry Anderson. He's a nice little pickup by Mike McCagnon, who you're also on my list, buddy. Watch out. Uh, you also said you were going to come on our show, Mark. Uh, well, well he, did not officially, he did not officially say no. you haven't been no. on the show yet, well, you, so that doesn't help your cause. We didn't pursue him on any hey, level. I sure did, Mark. I reached out to the Jets. Oh, you did? I did. I and mean, if he's, listening, if he's yet, listening to any of these episodes, fire. he knows it's just uh, he's going to come in here and get uh, lashed. I'm, so. so, I'm sorry, man. I'm hitting out. I'm hitting wow. Out. But anyway, Cordell Patterson um, wow. was caught on CBS. I haven't seen you this mad since like the Rainmaker sound drop about 20 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> You're really uh, inflating your sense of importance if you think I have an issue with the Rainmaker. I just wish you would. I, what I do wish you would do with the Rainmaker is just is just to really get the bit right. Pick a rainmaker. And yeah, then one, one rainmaker one a week. week. Pick three. One a week. One per Sloppy. week. I mean, it, it's kind of like you, you said, like the bit of it that it's making you upset, that it, that's what's the most fun I about have it. no problem with the rainmaker. I'm trying to help you. You know, I'm trying it's, to help you with the rainmaker. I, I think one focused well, rainmaker good. would make everyone happy, but that's not Greg's <laughs> aim here. Right, right, exactly. Okay, if that's the aim, that's fine. I'm just We're just yeah. trying to have fun here. It's season six. But you're having fun. Yeah, it must be fun being a Patriots fan. <laughs> but isn't that what you were just talking Running about? a high-level gambling ring behind the scenes. <laughs> I mean, I wish I was actually money. making money off of any of this stuff. We're not allowed to do that, so <laughs> we're not allowed to tell us you're doing that. So Cordy Patterson grabbed the Jets players' uh, junk, and uh, this is what uh, Patterson said when questioned after the game. I'm a grown man. I don't need no one's ass and censored and censored in my face, which is fair. But maybe don't grab the guy's junk. That's also fair. Feels like we can agree on both of those statements. Sure. <laughs> Let's move on. Jacksonville second and 10 from the two to the snap. Bortles going to throw it. Waits. Fires down the middle. It is tipped. It is intercepted by Jordan Poyer up around the 18-yard line. Poyer goes down there. The Bills pick it off on second down. And now they're in field goal range with 5.01 left to play. Oh! John Murphy, WGR with the call. Don't you look past those Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen scored the go-ahead touchdown. A 14-yard run in the fourth quarter. The Bills handle the Jaguars 24-21. Oh, my goodness, Jacksonville. Greg, the thing most people will remember about this game, assuming they recall anything at all, will be the fight and ejections of Leonard Fournette and Shaq Lawson. It was part of uh, an incredible sequence, if this game you know, had a little more lasting impact, that involved uh, a great touchdown, near touchdown catch being nullified, a fight, as you mentioned, with some haymakers at least being attempted by Fournette and Lawson. They're both kicked out. The fight continues into the, into the alley. 
or not the alley, uh, the tunnel. <laughs> what are you talking about? The alley would have been great. It's <laughs> awesome. Shaq Lawson having to be held back. Then another Jaguars touchdown being nullified. Then a terrible sack that Blake Bortles takes. Then a missed field goal by Josh Lambeau, which Sean McDermott celebrates like they just won the Super Bowl. It's a tie ball game here at the end of the third quarter. And then Josh Allen making a play. And uh, this, this game was really out of 1975. 42 throws, 74 runs. And it's very telling that the Jaguars treat Blake Bortles just like the Bills treat Josh Allen, which is that they don't really let him throw the ball. What do you think of Josh Allen? I think he had a, a fun game to watch. Uh, you know, he I'm not going to get carried away when he – I think he completed eight passes in this game. Uh, but a couple of them were beautiful throws, and he ran the ball for almost 100 yards. And I like that – after his first run of the game, he's talking trash right in uh, the Jaguars' face. And when he scored uh, a big touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown, he does the Jalen Ramsey touchdown celebration. So I like that he's <laughs> out there at least feeling himself. Jaguars are now 3-8. and eight. They've dropped seven straight. It's their longest losing streak since they lost nine straight in 2016. Uh, when that happened, Gus Bradley got canned and replaced by Doug Marone. Doug's got to watch out. if This thing is starting to really get ugly now. I think he'll be okay. I think he'll survive no matter what, but I don't know. 99 yards. Go on three and 13. Th- I don't know. Got to win a game. Allen had 101 yards on the ground before uh, two kneel downs. And yeah, eight for 19 throwing the ball. The Bortles thing oh. is crazy though, that they just, that you watching this game. I, I see Allen as a, a rich man's Bortles and Bortles. It has not made any progress in the five years that he's in the league. He still looks like a poor man's Josh Allen. They've got some Redskins-level offensive line issues, too. Eric Flowers played left tackle today. Yes. Andrew Norwell, their big offseason signing, had an ankle injury today. They lost their center and right guard in the two weeks before, so they are really and drained they lost, on their offense. And they lost Fournette, who was running very well and is the key to their offense. Let's move on. Rivers under center. Fakes the handoff. We know that guy. Rolling to his right. Extending the play, still rolling to his right, throws to the end zone, caught. Touchdown! Keenan Allen, Phillip Rivers stays perfect and throws his third score of the day. Nothing there initially, and I'm yeah. sitting here thinking Phillip Rivers about to throw his first incompletion, going to have to throw the ball away, but he never gave up on the play. No, he didn't, DJ. Move those sticks. Matt Money and Daniel Jeremiah with the call for KFI. Phillip Rivers tied the NFL record for consecutive completions uh, that throw to Keenan Allen. It was also a great play by Allen, who kept on moving and moving and finding a little window. These guys have are, are locked in right now. Anyway, so Rivers tied the record for most completions to start a game and the highest percentage in a game uh, as the Chargers whooped up on the Cardinals 45-10 at the stub or at the hub. We're at the center. Rivers uh, probably deserves some MVP love too, right, Mark? I mean, come on. He's always forgotten, and it doesn't help that he he's playing in a city where he's absolutely playing second fiddle to everything that the Rams are doing right now. Sixth fiddle. Yes. I mean, how many fiddles can there be? Because you can, that stadium <laughs> Even was— Even the Clippers fiddle is, like, playing louder. A little bit louder. Now. A little bit louder. I mean, I, I want to get to the stadium <laughs> thing in a second, but there one concerning issue, Melvin Gordon— who came in with knee and hip issues, left with a injury on his other knee, which the, la- the latest I'm seeing here is that Eric Williams of ESPN thinks it's an MCL, which is much obviously better than an ACL, and they feel like he could return, but may miss the Steelers game mm. next week, which is critical. Ouch. They do have one of the more deeper, intriguing backfields in the league, and those in Austin Eckler came in later and played fantastically. They did everything you could ask for on offense, 
and Joey Bosa made a couple big plays. The Cardinals, to me, are an absolute lost cause, but if you want to pull one thing hopeful, I thought their first drive with Rosen and David David Johnson was promising, but it's more of the same. It's just a flatlining team that has to question if they're going to keep their coach around. This was a Chargers game for me because they got down early where they bounced back well after that loss to Denver. And I do, I, do, I do think that they can go into Pittsburgh and beat them, but I don't know if you can do that without Melvin Gordon. That was my biggest takeaway from watching the game. When they fall behind 10 nothing after what we saw in the fourth quarter the previous Sunday, you're like, oh, man, are, this, are the Chargers going to charge her here? And then they just, what do they do? They roll 45 straight points out, and, and they just score every time they have the ball, and it's just another reminder. I mean, this is, you shouldn't, you do not get lollipops for beating the Cardinals at home, but for a Chargers team that has demons and a, and a game that in past years could easily have been a trap game for an organization like this with the Steelers on deck, you got to give them credit for that. They had one, one, one series that I thought absolutely showed that they are not previous Chargers teams where Rosen threw an absolutely awful – and sometimes you see this from Josh Rosen. Like the decision on a throw, it's just an absolute bad decision. And he threw a terrible pick in this game to Derwin James – and then right away, Melvin Gordon shotguns for a touchdown. It's like, that's what this team can do. They're so explosive. So I am concerned if Gordon's not in there. I'll give him a little lollipop, at least for blowing them out. For right. allowing essentially no yards after those first two drives. You can him like Go. a dum-dum, one of those? Yeah. 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 Like one of the like ones a from dentist the lollipop. A dentist, yeah. maybe a bank yeah. lollipop. Yeah. Which like that's 18 what good, months old. Good but. teams do. They blow out bad teams. Uh, you know, I got a sneaky hot take. The dum-dum is way up there in the uh, lollipop rankings. The mystery one? No, well, I like the cherry and I like the apple. The mystery I like the one. root beer one. Root beer? Butterscotch. No. See, Butterscotch now you're getting a little crazy. Good. Now you're getting a little Green out apple. Green apple. Butterscotch number one in my ring. Relax, Wes. Come on. <laughs> Can't throw butterscotch out there like that. Number one by far. I'll take blow pop right there. Hey, that's a good pick. It's <laughs> a good pick. Blow pop lasts longer. I mean, it's got gum inside. That's that what you can, yeah, please. Let's move on. <laughs> Winston has protection. It starts to break down. Rolling to his right. He throws the ball against his body. Wide open. Adam Humphreys to the 10. To the 5. Humphreys to the 3-2-1. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Adam Humphreys. Fire the cannons. Love the sound of Gene Decker off of WFUS. Jameis Winston threw for 3-12 and two touches. The Bucks easily handle the wretched Niners. 27-9. That snaps a four-game skid. Uh, for Tampa Bay. Uh, the Niners, meanwhile, are 2-9. and nine. They seem to be gunning for that number one overall pick. Good luck to them. Mark, life is better for the Bucs when the quarterback isn't constantly throwing it to the other team. Yeah, if you, this is a Greg Rosenthal special because this may have been Jameis Winston's best game of the year. Uh, he was not turning the ball over like a wild, you know, interception robot. He, I thought he played pretty well. I don't want my and, name associated with this game as a Greg Rose no, special. Why would one build an it, interception robot? A, yeah, like what's a, the point? Well, some teams seem like that's like, exactly what they want to do. It's like if, if you can find a uh, low, like to middling game that's going to be last on your Game Pass rankings, that's your Greg. If Rose you were to special. isolate just Winston's game, you could. I think you could come out with something to. Bolster your argument that Winston is a quarterback to stick around to. I Overall, I don't buy into that. But I, the one question I come out of this with the 49ers, they, are so, they, all, they were so banged up. No Pierre Garçon, no Marquise Goodwin today. They had nothing. And so Nick Mullins was totally exposed against a terrible defense, but they just couldn't get anything. I cannot help but wonder, because they also had to wave Reuben Foster after another you know, charge of domestic violence. So... 
that's that's another draft class gone a bit wayward. The overall buildup of the Niners, that if they had Jimmy G this entire year, one thing that keeps lingering last couple games is would there be much more fierce criticism for a Niners team that might have maybe four wins? Because I don't see them suddenly ripping off nine wins just because Jimmy G's in the lineup. This is not a very good team. That's fair. They deserve some criticism. Well, those, especially- those draft picks, I mean, Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster in the first round. I mean, that's... Solomon Thomas is not on the field in key situations. He's not really adding much. He's, you know, he's a run stopper that plays half the snaps and isn't standing out. And Foster, I mean, to me, that's the most significant thing. It had nothing to do with this game. But as you mentioned, released over the weekend after, you know, another arrest. And the fact that they took they took him back over the summer and that that was Lynch's first class. At, you you are wondering where the criticism is. Is and I think it's gonna it's coming right now. I think in the Bay Area at least this is kind of the inflection point. Also that you weren't competitive with a buck with a Do we give right. Kyle Shanahan a total pass? I think he's getting one because there's no question he that he'll deserve one. Or should this team be more? Here's the one thing: if you say that Kyle Shanahan's asset is that he coaches quarterbacks well, he has done that this year. I mean, he creates offense. Matt Breed is leading the league in yards from scrimmage. Right. They've had so many injuries. I think he's a great offensive mind, and he's shown it. That's like a John Harbaugh situation to me. What are you going to do? Let Kyle Shanahan go and watch someone else scoop him up and start winning with a great offense? I don't think it's a Shanahan issue. It's just I. You're two years into this, and the talent on the team is. There's a long way to go. And maybe maybe they inherited they inherited junk. We know that. It was a problematic franchise when they arrived. So it's not like, you know, to the stake, to, you know, burn them at the stake kind of thing. But no. it's just that it is an ultra-free pass because you lost your quarterback. The Reuben Foster situation, it's ugly. And he did nothing this season on the field. Uh, they stuck with him. We'll see how this new case pans out. But there's a chance that this is a first-round pick that's done in the league because uh, it's just there's a different viewpoint on how these things – uh, how they come off now that it wasn't like this five or ten years ago, and you wonder if if he's done playing, and if so, I mean, what a waste! What a waste of potential. Uh, well, for Ruben Foster. There's something that's, I mean, everything about it is unsavory and disappointing. But there's something a little extra that he played extremely well as a rookie, and then they make excuses to keep him, and then he's struggling this season, and then you cut him right away. Let's uh, before we get to the Thanksgiving games and Sunday Night Football, you may or may not have heard, but Lowe's is the new home of Craftsman. I, I'm telling you, you have to have heard by now if you listen to this podcast. It means that Lowe's, uh, you'll find an ever-growing selection of mechanics, tools, tool storage, and more in store and online, ready to help tackle projects throughout your home, uh, including that 122th ratchet and that three-degree three arc swing. Yeah. And uh, and everybody knows what it does. Uh, you got to know what it does by now, because it, it swings, and it means you can loosen or tighten bolts with that less uh, the less movement. You don't need so much movement. Gives you so much leeway. Yeah, and the hard to reach spots. I mean, you got to know what's going on with the ratchet by now. It's after Thanksgiving. Plug in. It's Christmas season. I mean, unless you hire you hire someone to fix things in your house, which some people do. Well, that person's going to need a three degree arc swing. Absolutely, somebody needs it, <laughs> and uh, it also comes in gunmetal chrome, which. I mean, if you're a man, you might like that. Shop the new home of Craftsman today at Lowe's.com slash around. That's Lowe's.com slash around. Thanksgiving football. Second down and 10. Here's the snap to Daniel. Back on a play fake. Looking right. Throws right. Got Cohen open. Makes the catch in the end zone. Touchdown, Bears. 
Let's spin through these uh, Thanksgiving games, starting uh, with the Bears. Chase Daniels starting for Mitch Trubisky through a career-high two touchdowns. The Bears keep rolling. The team of ATN, a 23-16 win over the Lions. Mark, Daniel did his job, but a lot of the credit has to go to the Bears' defense, which stifled an undermanned Detroit attack. Oh, man, Eddie Jackson, five touchdowns on defense in two seasons and it seems like if you play the Bears you almost have to factor in that they're going to score on you with their defense probably once a week because it happens over and over and to me this was another argument for Chicago's coaching staff because this is not a team that goes high and low the very consistent week to week this was a rather blase game but you were able to coach up Chase Daniel to do what we've we should expect backup quarterbacks to do but you often don't get is come in and just deliver a rather vanilla performance but he also I thought he showed great chemistry with his running backs there was a great wheel route who was the guy that caught Tariq Cohen Owen. and he missed Cohen on what would have been another touchdown but well, there was Daniel another guy that got a good. touchdown too I forgot who it was but I hit <laughs> oh, Mazel. oh yeah, yeah. Mazel. It's like, Mazel. yeah it's like the, he just seemed to be he seemed to, to run the offense well I thought that Allen Robinson had a great catch in this game. Taylor Gabriel's part of it. So you didn't see a huge fall off. It's a well-coached team, and you got the result that you thought you would, and someone got their lock. Mm, that's right. Who's that? Well, it was not me because I switched to the Browns. But it was, That was me. And watch, yeah, watching this game in the fourth quarter, and I know Daniel moved the ball pretty well. His numbers look great, 27 for 37, 230, and two. I think if you watched, you know, you could see the reasons why he's a backup, but he did his job. When it was mid-fourth quarter, I'm watching it. The Lions have the I mean, the ball, and I'm thinking, like, the defense here for the Bears is going to have to make a play, I think, for them to win this game. Like, that's that, it just felt like that's kind of what's next, or maybe it was special teams, and then that's exactly what they do. And that's, that's what great defenses can do. I don't think they're a shutdown group by any means. The Lions still move the ball pretty well, but it's amazing that in a game where they sort of needed their defense to make a play at the end, they do it. Get a, I mean, can you get Matthew Stafford some playmakers around him? It's, they're a hard watch right now. And I, a good job by the Bears on 85 hours rest to win another football game. But I, it's hard watching Stafford on the field with a bunch of Hammonagers. They've been a hard watch for 20 years. Carry on Johnson and Marvin Jones are dynamic and they're missing and their backups are a, a huge step down. The Bears do Well, Garrett to, Blunt played pretty well in this game. He I did, thought. but I still think it's a, he's a huge step down right. uh, for nice Johnson. Nice for Legary. They The Bears need to fix their running game, though. Yeah. To, to go into Denver and run the ball with their two running backs 10 times for 27 yards and that this is not a necessarily a new problem they've been pretty up and down that that could get get in the way of w- winning some big games you meant Detroit no I meant that- Chicago Tariq Cohen and just and no you Jordan said they Howard. went into Denver oh he sure did he meant Detroit let's move on <laughs> he looks to throw pockets clean over the middle he's got Cooper Cooper cuts back, and now there he goes. Across the 50, it's a foot race. 40, 30, 20. Will he get there? 10. He reaches out, and he's into the end zone. Touchdown, Dallas. Brad Sham, the Sham God of KRLD with the call. Amari Cooper is making Jerry Jones look like a very smart football man. He scored two touchdowns, including that 90-yard romp in a 31-23 Cowboys win over the Redskins. Moves Big D into a first-place tie in the NFC East-West. Is Dallas once left for dead at 3-5 and five, now the favorite in this division? I think they've been the favorite for a couple of weeks. Habba habba. They're playing better than the other two teams. I think the Redskins not only over the last few weeks have seen their season dealt a severe blow, they've seen their franchise dealt a severe mm. blow. Their franchise quarterback, who uses his athleticism as his major calling card, 
has a spiral fracture and might not be ready for the start of this season. And at age 35, you wonder if he'll ever be the same. This is beginning to feel like a lost season and a lost few years. The Cowboys, on the other hand, you know, they – I thought people jumped on the Amari Cooper trade way too early, were too quick to say it was a bad trade, and you've seen how it transforms this offense. I don't like giving up a first-round pick for a guy whose contract's about to run out, so you're forced to pay big money to Amari Cooper, even if you got B-minus results, but he absolutely has been a game-changer. I thought this last game, he actually helped create one of the only celebrations that I've enjoyed, which was that foul shot through the uprights. After he scored, oh, I that thought you were going to see that for years, though. Huh? I, he had the Markel Fultz thing going. I, on I, I actually, oh, like, I, I okay. sensory like turn off to most of the celebrations. So I, if it's been out for years, I might have missed it. But I thought that was the camera <laughs> angle too looked nice. They did a good job with it. Uh, I, I was the ninety-yard touchdown is the one that gets the juice, but. Uh, Cooper, his first touchdown where he just kind of ran away from the secondary, it just showed how special he is. His athleticism is is great. Uh, and, and the Cowboys get another big game out of Zeke Elliott, who's getting the ball a ton, uh, but he keeps on saying, feed me. He does the spoon thing, and but that's been working because he's putting up about 150 yards and a touchdown or two every week. Yeah, th- spare me the, okay, now is Zeke Elliott in the MVP Told you it was going to happen. Wes called this game so many <laughs> different ways. He, he said people are going to be talking about the Amari Cooper trade as a good trade, absolutely, and that Zeke is an MVP candidate. Give me a break. Like, in what world is Ezekiel Elliott even remotely close to as valuable as Patrick Mahomes or Drew Brees? So those are the only two guys that even need to be in the conversation. But even if you extended it out to five or six, which you shouldn't, this isn't the NBA, you don't vote for five guys. Like, he's nowhere near Brees or Mahomes. He wouldn't even to me, he's not even close he to might, that list. Well, is Philip Lindsay more valuable than Baker Mayfield? No. They, that's a different – the way that they take that award and, it, and it's not called the most valuable rookie, it's called offensive rookie. Maybe that changes it. But to me, Zeke is nowhere near a, a franchise quarterback. He's not necessarily – He can average uh, 175 yards a game right. until the end of the season, and he still wouldn't win. What would the record know, be without Zeke Elliott right now? I'm not arguing awful. for MVP, but I'm just saying, like, he's pretty – Right. He's, he's pretty valuable. He's one of the most valuable running backs, and Probably I'm not ready to seven. say he's – We're in that range, so pretty bad. He's yeah. up there with Tyreek Hill – as the most crucial skill position players on their team. And I'm not so sure that the Cowboys are playing that well offensively with Amari Cooper. They got two big plays. They won this turnover battle three to nothing. This, you know, the Redskins had a lead fairly late in this game. This looked like two fairly even teams, but one is extremely uh, banged up uh, right now. And the Cowboys, if they don't beat the Saints on Thursday night, they're going to be tied for the lead with either the Redskins or uh, the Eagles going going into the last four weeks of the season. We're going to get an 8-8 winner in this I do think they're the best team, but I don't think that they... Well, the other two teams are hot garbage right now. Right. And they're playing each other, so one of them gets a win. I don't think Dak's really played very like his best football the last couple of weeks. Like The offense is still very hit or miss. Thursday night football. Thanks. Breeze looking to throw. Has a man open toward the end zone. Touchdown, New Orleans. Tommy Lee Lewis just activated tonight. Puts some points on the board for the Saints. A 28-yard toss. It's 6-0 New Orleans. Felt like uh, that Zach Streep, WWL. Felt like the Saints were just messing around uh, on Thanksgiving night. Tommy Lee Lewis and Austin Carr each catch touchdown passes. Their second career touchdown passes for both of them. Rookie tight end Dan Arnold. There he is. Dan Loria. <laughs> Rookie receiver Kirk Keith Kirkwood also got touchdowns. Their first, both of them. Saints, they're 10, they've won 10 straight now. 31-17 over the Falcons. 
Uh, and that's even pushing it about how close this game really was. Greg, this looked like an easy one on paper for the Saints, and it was. It was, especially because the defense keeps making plays. I mean, the, the Falcons moved the ball pretty well, but what you're, you're, you have no chance to win a game that has such a small margin for error when you go to New Orleans. When Matt Ryan loses a fumble, Julio Jones loses a fumble on the way in to score, and Calvin Ridley loses a fumble on the way in to score. So the Falcons shot themselves in the foot, but like you said, Dan, I, even if they hadn't, and they hadn't made those mistakes, you got the sense the Saints had another gear that they could have gone offensively in this game, and they didn't even need it. I mean, there was a second-half pick by Matt Ryan, too. You're so right. Like they, they, that's Matt Ryan play played well. No, he, 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 he's played well every game, but like the, the turnovers, you can't, you can't get out of each of these possessions with no game. points. That's yeah. Right, thing. you have to take more chances when you're playing the Saints in New Orleans, too. I, thought that, I mean, he threw the ball really he, well. He did, and he's been doing that, but he also had that interception and fumbled three times. That fumble, was it, the play was designed for him to fake inside, right. and by the time he turned around, the ball was out of his hands. He right. can't he, even credit he had three well, That speaks to New Orleans. Unlike some of these other teams that are vying for buys and stuff, they can rush the passer in some of these games. They're getting pressure, six sacks. I mean, that well, – come on. I know Greg has said they are – you can't say that they're not as good on the road as at home. I – I just can't disagree with that more. They are much oh. better at home, the Saints. They are a much better home team than road team, and their defense plays so much faster at home. I have a. Mo- I, I don't. I think they're obviously more dangerous at home. I'm, they've just been a good road team. This they've been better on the season. road this year than That's years all. past. They when haven't they lost out. the game, so they're they're cl- to, and they've well, beaten some good teams. I'm right. They've got. They got lucky to beat the Ravens. And you know the Vikings outplayed them for about 20 minutes in the first quarter of that or first half of that game. I'm, I just think their defense at home. The Bears are the only defense I trust more than the Saints' defense right now. Wow, they are so. Watch that game again. They are so fast on defense, and they pressured Ryan all game. Well, they're getting better. Anzalone is getting better. Yes, Sheldon Rankins is getting better. Davenport came back for this game, and he adds so much juice to them. So it's a defense that's – and Lattimore is getting better. Started off the season pretty slow and playing well now. They're playing really fast. Two years ago, the Falcons were up 28-3 in the Super Bowl. Couldn't get over the hump last year in the NFC. 4-7 and seven this year. Got to win when you get there. You don't know if you'll ever get back. That's true. Another lost year for the Falcons. To Sunday Night Football. Take the hand. Cousins rolling. Chased by Matthews, fires, there'll be a first down and more, and Thielen, can he get in? Yes, touchdown. Oh, Al Michaels with the call. Kirk Cousins versus Aaron Rodgers. Who wins? It's Kirk Cousins, and it wasn't close. The Vikings quarterback threw for 330 yards, three touchdowns, was not intercepted, and the Minnesota Vikings, a huge home win. 24-17 over the Packers, who are now 4-6 and six and in a free fall, uh, out into nothing, as Tom Earl Petty once said. Greg, well, that was very Chris Berman. I got a classic rock rap in there. On <laughs> uh, a night where you thought the Packers won one last stand, it just isn't there. There's no juice, and the Vikings came to play and got it done. They did. I don't think you could watch this game and, and have any takeaway other than the better team won. I mean, the, the Vikings had 416 yards to 254 for an Aaron Rodgers-led Packers team. The Packers came in banged up. They got more banged up throughout the game. And the best Vikings players showed up, including Stefan Diggs. In the last moments, this game was not over yet. And the Vikings decide to throw the ball on third and long. Pretty surprising. And it would have had been a lot of cr- criticism if it didn't work out. Kirk Cousins does not deliver a good throw, but Diggs... 
reaches behind him for a wobbler and ends the game. Once again, situational football is the bugaboo for the Packers. That fourth and one play where they got stuffed, I thought that was huge. Tremont Williams trying to catch a a ball that bounced over his head. That was huge. And then, once again, we ought to call this a McCarthy when your team only has one timeout left when you're trying to come back in the two-minute <laughs> two drill. They always have one timeout. They, like, start every half with one timeout, and no one, no one knows how. <laughs> they put them on prime time three of the last four games. They've lost all three. And I, I get the loss to New England, acceptable. But you have Seattle and Minnesota, two teams that float in your world if you're the Packers, that you need to come out and show us we can take care of Seattle and then we can take care of the division opponent that we know so well. You can't do either. You don't belong in the playoffs. The difference for me with this game compared to all these other games, because it did follow a similar script as all these losses have, is that someone, whether it's the defense or a special teams, messes up and doesn't even give Aaron Rodgers a chance. And in this case, they weren't able to get the third down stop. But you know what? This game's different to me because I don't think it matters. If, even if Aaron Rodgers gets the ball back, and I never want to doubt Aaron Rodgers, but the way this team looked on offense, they just seemed dysfunctional and frankly broken. broken. There's no the, – the magic uh, that was on display early in the season. Remember when we were in London in our hotel rooms, we were watching that Bears game and how fun that was uh, with Rodgers. By the time we've gotten now to late November, there's just just that seems to be absent now, and they're zero and six on the road, which and Aaron Rodgers has to take some uh, credit for the blame or take some of the blame here too. I don't think anybody is blameless in what's happened in Green Bay since that Bears game. Your wins, precious Green Bay Packers, are against the Bills, <laughs> 49ers, and Dolphins. What a night! If for another Mark. team had this script, we'd be killing them. We are, and we are tonight. Mark, but are you it, listening to no, what we're saying right now? No, but it took till this night. Yeah, but other teams. I the, killed them last week. Other two teams weeks ago. Don't right? have one of the great quarterbacks in NFL history, so you're always gonna give them a chance. But to Dan's point, you're right. They haven't developed anything throughout the season. They're backing up. Like Valdez Scantling, we were excited about for a while. He had three yards in this game. You know, Equinemius St. Brown is their number two receiver. You never got Cobb back. Uh, it's a lot of it. I mean, a lot of key injuries too. Nick Perry, Mike Daniels, these are core guys, but I don't know if they could have figured it out anyways. It is as dark as it's ever been in the Mike McCarthy era. This finally does. Here's your hope. You have the Cardinals, Falcons, Bears, Jets, and Lions. Are we going to start hearing about the run the table nine, six, and one? Only if they they win two or three straight. And guess what, Mark? I know you root against Aaron Rodgers. I'm not rooting against Aaron Rodgers. I just, I, this tonight, this is reality. Wait, you don't root against Aaron Rodgers? This is reality to me. Let's pull up some of the audio during this game. It's not just Aaron Rodgers. It's the, it's the whole thing surrounding the Packers. If Aaron Rodgers were on a different team, dealt with differently, I would not feel that way about Aaron Rodgers at all. My point is, I'm not going to stop rooting for Aaron Rodgers, even though it's a bad team. That's not what I'm doing, by the way. Okay. Just your, but, that's a narrative. Okay, cool. I'm going to keep rooting just because it's more fun. I think it's fun when he's involved with the, in, the, in December and in January. And what's, what sucks about uh, this, especially I have nothing else to root for, is that it seems like they are just not going to be players. In, I mean, but in here's season, my question. Sure. There are like five or six other really amazing teams to root for. Why, why not let Rogers go of the Packers? Rodgers is special. Not the Packers, but I think Rodgers is special. That's why it's, it's a bummer that he's not going to be around. He looked in the mirror this week. He promised changes. He said, I have to play differently, and this was more of the same. I didn't see anything different. I didn't see a better Rodgers. And I think, to Mark's point, this is not a fun team to watch. I, they broke me. In that Seattle game, and and I, I, I'm with Greg. I'm ready for the McCarthy era to be over, so Rodgers can work magic I mean, with someone else. I mean, I think we're gonna get our wish, and I think the 
time is still going to tell about this Vikings team. This was an important, important step forward for them. And they did some of the things that you want them to do. Cousins played a very clean, excellent game. Thielen and Diggs looked like stars. Thielen looked healthy. Cook looks like he has more juice, even though they still can't run the ball, at least in the passing. He he looks like he has more juice. And more importantly, Richardson, I think this team's going to go as far as Richardson, Griffin, and Hunter take him. I mean, some of the moves that Hunter put on uh, and a key sack. Richardson's played great all year. If those three can dominate and Linval Joseph too, then I think this team has a shot to really make some noise. I don't. They haven't really all put it together too often as a total team, but they got the pieces to do it. They have tough games at New England, at Seattle, but to use Mark's phrase, the Vikings live in that world. It's not like the Patriots are some kind of juggernaut this year, and the Seahawks aren't either, so they can win those games. Uh, yeah, great win for the Vikings. I'm a little bit worried, and I know all Vikings fans are the same way. Two more misses for Dan Bailey in this game, uh, and Zimmer lost trust in it. And you gotta, yeah, and you gotta wonder. Good they went point. for it on fourth down uh, when they had a chance uh, to really put the game away or make it a 17 point game or 13 point game, and they decided to. Uh, go for it. It didn't work out. And who knows, is Dan Bailey on this team? And this Vikings curse at the kicker position, this team's going to play close games. They're trying to win a Super Bowl. What happens there? That's one negative, I would think, from Sunday night. And that they've got quite a bit of ground, in my mind, to catch up. I mean, in the standing, certainly, with the Bears, a game and a half is significant this late in the season. And just the Bears seem like a better team. So they are fighting uphill to get a wild card spot, which is which is a tough route to They're get to a the Super Bowl. They're in the five seed right now. In, in a very loaded a- NFC, but still a big, big Do win. the Vikings feel like a team that's going to get into the wild card round and rip off three wins against all these other teams in the NFC? Absolutely not. They, but but the difference is, had they lost tonight, we'd be burying them and they would be burying They haven't shown it, but they have the pieces that you would think that they can play better. And different parts of the team have played well. Like tonight, you know, if you have the defensive line, if you have that good a pass rush and that good of a passing game, you're going to have a chance to win any game. Well, what we, what we want to see the rest of the year is fix the offensive line in the running game. Jim will take you seriously. 254 yards of total offense for the Packers in a game they needed. What a mess. All right. That's it for Sunday. We have one more Monday night football, uh, one more game. It's on Monday night. It's a matchup between who, Wes? Titans and Texans. Your team. Your, your te- Houston Texans. I know it's my team. I knew the matchup. I was just I was oh. giving Wes a little uh, oh, no. but I'm airtime. Just it's a, a special Give a little pop. for you. Dan's See Texans against um, the Titans. Somebody's team. Oh, that's I feel true. bad I for whoever even, it is. I didn't even think about that. It's kind of like your <laughs> it's a Hansis Bowl versus your anti-team. Uh, and then uh, for us, Tuesday uh, will be our Twitter show. And then Wednesday and late Thursday night, two podcasts. And then we just keep going as we head towards December. That's it. This is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Hey, Ricky. That was Millennial Thanksgiving. It was really fun. Nice. Thanks. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. 
So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.